This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Drink More Water. I'm Sophie. And I'm Riley. It still feels so funny saying that. <laughs> we nail it though. I'm proud we of did. Us. Guys, we are so excited for today's episode. We have two incredible guests on, Rue and Rai from Cool To Be Conscious. If you haven't heard about their stuff, I would definitely head over to their Instagram now and just check out their page before listening. But I don't really even have words for how amazing that episode was, but I just want to let you guys Go almost straight into it. Yep. Get into the interview. It was amazing. We covered so many different topics. Mm-hmm. And I know Sophie and I are feeling just, yeah, amazing after recording that episode with them. Absolutely. I feel like we touch on so many things in terms of like transforming your life in so many different areas. And if you're unhappy with things, how to actually change mm-hmm. things and take action and better yourself, whether that's physically, mentally, your relationships, everything. So I think. Yeah, this episode's going to be very very beneficial to yeah. a lot of people. I know even listening to them talk while we were actually in the interview, I was like learning so many things. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hope you enjoy. Yeah, it was so nice to record in real time as well. I feel like we haven't had any guests on in person with us, so it was so nice to do that in person. And this is an amazing episode for anyone out there to listen to with their partner. I feel like yeah. they would get so much out of the episode. So without further ado, we'll get straight into it. But we we hope you guys enjoy. All right, Ryan and Rue, welcome to the studio. So good to have you guys here today. We're so excited. We actually, honestly, Riley and I, we're all just feeling quite zen and ready because we just did the daily before. Do you want to explain what that is before so Alistair can get a bit of an insight of what we just were looking like and doing? Absolutely. Well, firstly, yeah, thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here and we're very honoured. And yeah, with the Call to Be Conscious daily, it's a very simple breathwork technique and it takes less than three minutes. What we've done is we've combined ancestral wisdom with modern science and brought the two together to create a minimal effective dose, basically. And what we're doing with the body is we're slightly uh, shifting our brainwave state. We're coming from a high... high thinking mind, our our analytical beta Mm -hmm. brainwave, and we're slowing that down. We're massaging our brain with our breath and we're actually slowing that down to an alpha brainwave slash theta. And that is in coherence with our heart. It allows us, like you're just seeing, saying, you feel a little bit more calm, you feel like you go to sleep, and it's just a great way just to tune in with ourselves and, and slow that noise that may be present in the mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, I feel incredible and I feel very ready for this conversation. And I guess a little bit of a background, as you guys know, listening a few weeks ago, we were at the Gymshark event and we had that experience with you guys doing the breath work in the morning. And Soph and I both just found the entire experience so profound. I've done a few of your stillness sessions before and it was amazing. So I guess to start off, I'd love to know a little bit more about both of your backgrounds, how cool to be conscious came into fruition in the first place and sort of where you're at now and what you're Doing. Big question. Big question. <laughs> yeah. how, the how deep question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for both of us, we we actually grew up in a very similar area. We're like within the within ten kilometer radius. Mm. We both grew up on farms, farming backgrounds, sheep and beef, cattle, driving tractors, riding motorbikes, and yeah, it wasn't until recent years where we both found the power in what we're doing and bringing to the world now, and that was through two different complete complete different stories. 
Um, I'll drop on on my story a little bit, and then Rue can, I guess, expand on you his. Got a little hair on your mic, that's annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bro. Is that good now? Yeah, that's good now. Good yeah, now? Good. Right. <laughs> For me, I was, I was your classic stereotypical man, bloke, boy. In a way, now understanding what a man is, but for me, I was living a a lifestyle that many of us live. We live for the weekend, we go out, we party, we drink, we look for stimulation in, in all aspects, seeking that feeling of being alive, right? And now looking and understanding the, the terminology or what's happening in the body here, I was in a very numb sense of being because my nervous system was always in a very sympathetic response. I was feeling anxious all the time. I was feeling uncomfortable in my body. And I was looking for ways to escape that emotionally, but also physically. And I'd use alcohol, drugs, and sex to get away from those feelings. Growing up on the farm for me was was really challenging. I had um, my stepfather was my... I guess, father figure for a long time. I I met him and we connected with him when I was 11 years old and I was brought up on the farm. And my stepfather was very blokey. He was a classic bloke. So he taught me to to be what he perceived as a man, which is a strong, rigid, tough... um, Work, work, work. Work, work, work. Kind of of bloke. And and with with that, it, it... it didn't allow me to express who I was and what I was feeling. Whenever I would express emotions or I would show a bit of vulnerability, he would literally say, men don't, men don't do that. Men don't show emotions. And even to this day, when I put my bracelet on, when I, put my bracelet on I think of him in a way because he was always saying to me, men don't wear jewellery. And that's gay. That's mm. gay. Don't, don't put that on. I remember coming back from a trip to Fiji, and uh, this was in a few years. A few years later, I went to Fiji and I bought my little brother a bracelet, and it was from this local market in Fiji. And I went home for a bit and visited the family, and I gave my little brother this bracelet. He was ten years old, and my stepfather said, "Nah, nah, men don't wear that. Take that off." So how confusing would that be for you know my brother to receive those words from receiving a gift from me, and then to be shut down and pulled into that. Um, that sense of insecurity from wearing something on your body. So throughout that entire process of my years as a teenager, I was suppressing myself. I was learning to throw it over the back of the shoulder and continue moving forward and staying in that really fast-paced world, running away and seeking stimulation through things, running away from my emotions. And as it compacted and compacted and it grew stronger and stronger, I found alcohol and I found these other ways to really escape and when I would drink I would literally get so drunk that I'd black out most weekends you know I'd wake up in the morning and go holy shit what just happened mm-hmm. and and I'd have friends going look what you did last night showing me videos of what I was up to and I was like holy f- that's not even me who was that person yeah. and with that continuation of running away from my own self and emotions came sickness and illness I started getting tonsillitis a lot to the point where they actually took them out. I was getting tonsillitis like once a month and a couple of those occasions I was put in hospital because the antibiotics weren't actually absorbing in my system and my throat was closing in. And looking back now, I understand that that was my throat chakra closing up, telling me to to speak some truth and ask for help (laughs) here. But I didn't. I continued just being the man. Mm. being what I perceived was a man was was hard and strong and didn't show emotions wasn't vulnerable 
And that led me down the track to panic attacks. I started having panic attacks and I had no idea what this was. I didn't even know what anxiety was and how it showed up in the body. I was uneducated on that, but I had it for a fucking long time looking back. <laughs> I thought I just yeah. I thought I just wasn't stretching my chest enough in, my, in the gym and my chest was tight and I was like trying Stretch to it out, I was bro. Trying oh, my pecs are sore. Yeah. But what was happening there was that literally my body was closing in. The fascia tissue that surrounded the muscle was was sending signals to my brain that I need to protect myself because I was so anxious and afraid of my environment. It's, it's was funny just on that. We, we, we joke about this, but it's for so many people, that's what they think the tightness in the body is. It's just the physical, but it's, it's there's so much more than that. There's the emotional energy in there that's being held and, and suppressed, and that manifests physically. So yeah. throw that in there. Exactly, yeah, but it's like we didn't know that. I didn't know no. that. I was uneducated. I just continued to stretch my chest out, and, and, you know, and I, had, I had headaches going on and prefrontal headaches in here, so my brain was really tight. That swelling, that inflammation, was unaware of these things too. Mm-hmm. So the panic attacks for me was the the catalyst of the beginning of my journey. I started to really lose control over myself. And that was like, what the heck is going on? I had a moment where I thought I was going to die. I was was laying there and I was in a a cramped state of being. So I'd lost control of my body. I was hyperventilating. Um, The blood oxygen levels were shifting. I was alkalining my system through (laughs) short, sharp breaths. I turned blue in the face. My lips turned purple. And... This is when I really opened up to my best mate because I didn't know what was going on, neither did he. And I was in this state of, fuck, I'm going to die here. Mm. And from that moment, I broke down and I actually allowed myself to be vulnerable and I cried and I said, I don't know what's going on with me, but I I know I need help. And I'm sorry because I never asked my Mm. best mate for this. He knew who I was, but he'd never seen me in this state before. So from then, it was this process of, what do I do? Where do I go? I didn't know. Mm. So I I did the first thing that came to mind was I went home. And allowed mum to just literally mother me. Mm. And from that, she's like, you need to see a psychologist. And I was like, I don't want to see a psychologist. I don't want to be labeled as someone that's mentally unstable because that wasn't me. I wasn't that person. It's not a man. It's not a man. Mm. It's not unstable. He's, you know, but I was. I was so unstable. So I'd, I agreed to go and see the psychologist. And she said the first thing that I need to do was stop drinking alcohol. He's like, you're a sensitive soul. And I was like, what, the f- what is a sensitive soul, firstly? But she's like, you're a sensitive soul. If you continue to drink alcohol, you're going to end up in the psych ward. And that hit me. And I was like, wow, okay, I actually need to stop here. So I was like, I'm going to do 12 months, no drinking. I committed to myself on that day. I went cold turkey. I was like, I know I need to do something here. This has got to stop. I've got to make a change in my life. This is obviously like I'm, I'm wrapping the my whole story up in a really fast-paced yeah. manner here. I'm, I'm, less, I'm moving. I'm missing a lot of things that tied into this whole process. But yeah. from that conversation with the psychologist, opening up, she just literally giving me space to share about my entire life, allowed me to alleviate so much weight that was on my body. That conversation was just like, oh my god, that just felt amazing. Just being able to talk to someone that wasn't judging. I wasn't afraid to to be judged by, mm-hmm. and just gave me the space to share. Mm-hmm. And I, after, after conversating with her and after saying, okay, I'm going to stop drinking for 12 months, I said, then, then what do I do? I was like, what do I do? What do I do next? And she said, you know what to do. Mm. Just do it. I was going to say that. We always have that <laughs> yeah. knowing. Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean I know? And I was like, for some reason, I, I trusted in that. I didn't, I didn't question her. I was like, okay, I know what to do. I'll just do it. I had to quit the job that I was 
doing. I was a personal trainer. I was a, I was, I was an F45 instructor, oh. and I knew that that wasn't serving me. I was trying to be this hype man and very energetic and happy and, yeah. you know, ex- like very expressive, but I wasn't. All I wanted to do was curl up in a shell and just be still and mm-hmm. feel into myself. So I had to stop doing that, and it was actually in time with the lockdowns going on. So we went into lockdown and it was perfect time for me to go inward. And I went inward and I started researching into things that would assist me in my journey and I didn't know where to start. So I literally Googled inspirational speakers. I remember Googling inspirational speakers. Jay Shetty came up. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. And I started listening to his podcasts yeah. and I literally clocked his whole podcasts. And I started getting this inspiration come through. And he talked about meditation. He talked about some, some breath work. And I was like, what is this? And then literally within that same month, I watched a story of Ro. Ro and I hadn't connected for years. And I watched a story of Ro sharing him doing the Wim Hof Method. I was like, what is Ro doing? This looks crazy. But I want to give it a go. And I gave the Wim Hof Method a go. And then boom, had that euphoric sense of stillness and faith in myself. I felt that love. Because when we breathe, we, we release oxytocin. I had that love chemical come through. And I was just like, oh my goodness, I feel amazing. And then I become obsessed. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I need to bring this to everybody. But I need to also explore myself more. I started talking with Ru and he was explaining the the different types of breath work. And we conversated on that. And we researched and we dove into it. And then I realized that the longer we breathe, the, the more we access these different parts of our brain where we store trauma and emotions and things that we're holding on to unconsciously that are in the subconscious mind and different parts of the brain. And it was really confronting and really exciting at the same time. I was like, wow, okay, what have I got here? What have I got myself into? And then I just started to do this breath work and I started to figure out that I was holding on to so much anger firstly, mm. so much guilt secondly, and all of these lower vibration emotions that were coming through. I had so much anger for my stepfather, for all the things that had caused me and my family, the pain, everything that we moved through. But it was beautiful because after the pain was so much gratitude for this man. Mm. I was so grateful that he created me and the drive that I have today Mm -hmm. to transform and change the planet because I know so many people experience similar things. So I thank him now. I thank him for making me resilient, making me so fucking driven. To, to transform and change and assist other people that have mm. potentially experienced these similar things. Yeah. So that's that's how and that's why I do what I do now. I've experienced it. I've moved through so many things. And I was in that victim mindset for so long where I thought this this is only happening to me. Mm. This is only happening to me. I don't know why. Fuck this. Fuck him. I didn't want to yeah. be here. I was very numb. I was very unalive. Yeah, and with the breath and with what we share, I've been able to completely one eighty my life. Mm. I'm now obsessed. I'm now excited to wake up every morning. You know, I, I'm like, I'm fucking alive. well, I'm alive still. Mm. This is amazing. I get another opportunity to live and connect with people like yourselves and explore mm. this earth. And being able to do that with a man who is just as obsessed as me now, so we can share and bring <coughs> education around what we believe a man is mm. to be able to inspire and educate people around this we believe that doing that is going to transform the entire planet mm, yeah. it's as simple as that rebalance us back into our own higher self which is always there it's just we're so confused yeah education and being that embodied masculine man to share with the world is is what we're here to do mm. and it's just we're just surrendered to that fact we know it's so different to what we were growing up around and 
yeah. what we thought was going to be a life trajectory. You know, it's just like, what are we doing? We're literally teaching people to breathe and be still <laughs> and yeah. to connect with their ourselves. Yeah. How did we get Stop. here? Yeah. But it yeah. feels so right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, talk, we'll talk about the judgment and things like that soon, but it feels so right. And mm. we just let go of all of that. Yeah, because it's your knowing. Yeah, it is. yeah, it's crazy. And I think a huge part in that too, like you said, is it's so crazy how emotion manifests into physical trauma and pain. Mm. And I guess emotion itself is energy in motion of that stored in you it's going to have some kind of implication on your body and oh it's just it's crazy the impact it has and how far you've come in that journey to overcome that and everything I guess that you were seeking external of you before to get that validation you now get from within and that's yeah it's incredible I was looking Mm. in all the wrong places to actually feel Mm. enough to feel worthy and Mm. to feel loved yeah it's all seeking that whole time yeah, and I was I was becoming my stepfather. I was becoming him mm. to actually gain his love, which is what I want. All I wanted, really. Mm. Yeah, but I was uneducated, as, mm. as we know. What we don't know, we don't know until we know. Mm. Yeah, and I think a huge thing for so many people is just being so unaware of your subconscious, your programming, your beliefs, and how that actually impacts you in everything that you do. And the minute you become aware of that, the way and the clarity I guess that you have moving forward is profound but that doesn't come without going through a lot of turmoil between knowing and then becoming and I think that's the part we all want to we get to maybe we get a step forward and it's 10 steps back because it's scary it's the work and it's the fear I was about to say it's Mm. it's scary Mm. it's scary because it's it's an unknown place that you've never been before and and facing these things that are within you that you think you may die from or you think you're going to get cast aside from the from the crowd and you're going to be alone so you don't allow yourself to speak that and then it just holds down there and you're stuck in these lower vibrational energies but it's taking that courage and it's the reason that we create the spaces that we do this very safe it's a, it's a masculine energy space, so mm. the way we hold it is very safe. You're you're okay to express whatever you need to express. There is absolutely no judgment, and it allows people to go to these depths of themselves, so that they can express that and let that energy mm. out of their body, so that they can start to to live more in alignment with that true true part of them that they know that they can live, that they know that they're worth, mm. and it's it's the most fulfilling thing. To witness. To witness and, and that we would do. It's just yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, it's crazy. Even at the Gymshark event a couple of weeks ago, it was the first time I'd like heard about you guys and done a breathwork session. I just feel like everyone there walked in not knowing what to expect and walked in being like, oh, like I don't even know what this is, like blah, blah, blah. And then looking around and seeing everyone's faces when we like finally open our eyes, like everyone feels something transformative. And even like your, your blokiest blokes who think this is like silly or whatever, were like, whoa. Like, it still hits you mm. somehow. It's amazing, hey? Mm. We all crave deep connection. Yeah. But we put these facades on and masks on and act like we're fine. Mm. But really, we, well, we all want a space to open up and be vulnerable and express and to really connect with ourselves and other humans. Mm. We're talking with um, Robbie, who was there at that event, and he literally explained that. He said, I wish that... What you guys created there was at the beginning of that entire Gymshark flow mm-hmm. because everyone was so much more open and connected afterwards. So true. And that's what it's all about. It's breaking mm-hmm. down the walls, connecting with one another's heart space, yeah. mm-hmm. not brain space, mm-hmm. yeah. mind. 
Well, one of the exercises that we did in that session was before anything, we sat down with some person that we'd never talked to most of the time and told what was it like our biggest struggle in life, something (laughs) something about our childhood and like our biggest dream and like something you would never just start talking to like with this random person. And then afterwards you're just like, I look across the room and see the guy I had a chat with and I was like, I feel this like connection to you. And we like hugged and it was just such a strange strange thing because like you said, like if we did that at the beginning of the event, it would have been a completely different event. Absolutely. Mm. And ever since then, the event changed and the feel of everything changed as well. Amazing. Yeah, everyone everyone wants that, like Ryan just said. Everyone Mm. wants that connection. It's just we are scared to put ourselves out there to be vulnerable and open. We don't know how we're going to be perceived and Mm -hmm. judged, but it starts with us. We we have to honour that within ourselves. We speak our truth and show that vulnerability. It allows others to to do that too because they they want to. Mm. They want to. Permission slips. Yeah, you're allowed to. (laughs) Yeah. Hand them out. How about you, Rue? How did you get into all of this? Yeah, um, similar but different. And it's funny, there's so many different ways of articulating both of our stories, but we... Like for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it in a way today that may land for your audience, and mm-hmm. in a way of starting to surround yourself with people that you know you should be, and potentially letting go of others that you know you need to let go of, and also with your direction of life, trusting in that inner guidance, like you mm-hmm. mentioned before. It's we already know the direction we need to take, yeah, and it's just fully trusting ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, there's an inner knowing there. Everyone has it. Everyone knows. But we pretend we don't a lot of the time. We we on oh, I don't know, and then often a lot of our facilitators that come through our training at the moment. They know what they need to be doing. They know what they need to be stepping into, who they need to be let going, letting go of. But they need the permission from someone that they trust outside of themselves mm. because they haven't quite built that trust within themselves yet. Yeah. And we're starting to see it. They're starting to trust themselves. But sometimes it's like, you already know. Well, we just ask them questions. What do you think about it? What, what about this? What about that? And, they're like, oh, and then they start explaining it. And they've just given you the exact answer they're after. And then we just go, we'll do that. Mm. so that everyone knows it's just a matter of giving yourself permission but my story similar to I grew up on a a farm back in New Zealand I was actually born in Scotland Uh, I've got Scottish parents and um, I've got this real weird name so that's why I'm called Rue not (laughs) Ruri it's spelled spelled, I'm not even going to go there Um, but yeah grew up in a country town in New Zealand obviously in New Zealand rugby union is like religion over there Uh, so Becoming an all-black was the dream since I can remember. And it's something I worked for every second of my life, just about the friends I surrounded myself with, the dedication in the gym, the food I ate, all of it was all to become the best athlete I could be. And it didn't come without its injuries and its trials and tribulations, uh, the main one being a couple of knee reconstructions and never thinking I was going to be able to you know, walk or run without any pain. And I actually managed to make a professional rugby team at the age of 21. So I grew up in New Zealand, went to rugby school and I got a uh, rugby scholarship to Australia uh, to university and then I got a contract a couple of years into that degree over back in my home country of Scotland. 
And after about three weeks there, obviously the dream come true. I'm a professional rugby player. Fucking yeehaw. He's got the label, baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can tell him I'm a rugby you know. All of this, all of this. Mm. And mm. it didn't feel right. I was like, fuck, I've spent my entire <laughs> life working towards this mm. thing. And for for those of you listening, I'm sure there's not many of you wanting to be a professional rugby player, but whatever that is in your life that you're striving towards and pushing against, uh, that was that was my thing. I finally got there, my, my goal, and about three weeks into it, I, I was like, whoa, this is so not me. How do I, how do I get out of this? But I couldn't. My whole identity was wrapped up in that. And this may be a job for someone. This may be your career. You may think this is you and and that's it. That's it. You just have to stick it out. You don't. And for me, I, I did think I had to stick it out. And over the pro- time of maybe two months, I started to get really low state in my mind and my body, constant injuries, uh, not listening to it, pushing through it, just doing the physio, oh, just tape me up. I was like a mummy walking out onto the field sometimes. Yeah, 20, 21. Yeah, mm. and, and the, my body was just broken, constantly getting sick. And to the point where I my immune system must have been just completely shot, completely down-regulated, and I got bacterial and viral meningitis, so it was an infection of the brain. I ended up going into a coma for three days, I lost 20 kilos of my body weight. I lost my memory for a few weeks while I was in the hospital. Mm. I remember looking at a game of rugby they had on the telly after I'd miraculously made it through. Not many people make it through literally alive and sometimes without brain injury. So I was very He's still got brain injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open for interpretation. I was telling that. That's right. So I remember watching the game rugby on the telly going, what the hell are those people doing? I didn't, it didn't even make sense to me what it mm. was. And from there, it was a process of trying to understand what had just happened to me. I went home, like similar to Ryan, got mummy, mm. um, helped put the weight back on. And mm. you know what? I still, that identity piece, I was still a rugby player. I still had to do it. So they gave me an opportunity to go back, and I did, Mm. and I did. And the very first training session that I tackled a soft tackle bag, I completely paralyzed (laughs) my left arm, and I couldn't lift it for three months. And so then I started listening. (laughs) I started listening to the body, and the body and emotions are the language of the body, right? And thoughts are the language of our mind. My body was speaking to me, and it had been for years, but I just was completely unaware of it. So I I finally was like, right, I know I love the sunshine in Australia. Scotland's this cold, dark, grey place. (laughs) And I just, that was a part of it as well, but it was more the being stuck in an environment that I knew wasn't me anymore. Mm. So yeah, made my way back to Australia and enjoyed the sunshine. Similar to Ryan, I started working on a golf course and listened to podcasts like six hours a day. It's the reason that we've started a podcast and we're so open and we love sharing our wisdom and our knowledge that Mm -hmm. has served us because it was a huge way that served our growth and our journey. And for me, it was like six hours a day of listening to these greatest minds in the world, like 
amazing philosophers, people, thought leaders, people making huge change in the world. And that's going into my subconscious mind six hours a day. Mm, has so to be I was something. Absolutely. Yeah. Reprogramming my entire mind and literally becoming a new human being mm. because we are our subconscious mind. It operates 90 to 95% of our daily actions and behaviors. When we've got mm. bad programs running in there, we're going to be making bad decisions. When we start to put some good programs in there, understand different concepts and ways of living, we're going to be able to live in more alignment with Mm -hmm. that higher self, that person we know we can be. And that is how my process started. I started stepping away. I was still playing like rugby for the fun of it, and I was playing the best rugby I've ever played because it was was fun. I was doing it for Mm -hmm. the love of it. I wasn't trying to push and make a career, and I wasn't attached to it anymore. However, I knew that that environment also wasn't serving me. So I was like, I know I love rugby, but the environment that it comes with, it was not going to serve me. And this could be... Uh, a work environment that people are listening that are in or are surrounded by friend groups that go out drinking every week and maybe you don't want to go out drinking every week. How can you slowly step away from that part of you? Just a little bit. It's not like you need to cut a, you know, phone everyone up. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> See you later. I'm doing something else. It's mm. just like slowly stepping out into this new person who you know you want to become. Yeah. And that's what it was for me. I was the coach. I remember him ringing up, oh, when are you coming down to preseason? I'm like, oh, I'll just give it a few more weeks. Yeah. COVID ended up being my best friend too because <laughs> I didn't have to go back. The season was cancelled and it was just the perfect exit. And then, <clears throat> similar to Rye, I just, one of the podcasters was Wim Hof was talking about a breathwork technique. I remember before that, all these thought leaders talked about meditation. Tried doing the meditation, sitting with the hands like this, trying to cross the legs. I couldn't cross my legs at the stage. I was yeah, so flexes tight. are too tight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I can almost do full lotus <laughs> because I've taken that emotional strain off the body. But yeah, I remember sitting like this down at the beach, and my mates would come down, you know, take videos and take the piss out of me. And I was like, oh, what the hell am I doing? However, yeah, I came across Wim Hof and tried the. He, you know, he's climbed Mount Everest in his shorts. He's swum 50 metres under ice in the Antarctic. And I was like, this guy is mad, but I love it. Yeah. And he talked about this breathwork practice. Mm. So I gave that a go and it just calmed my mind and gave me this feeling in my body similar to what Ryan spoke about before of like, whoa, what was that? Mm. And it was just this obsession, started researching, understanding what is breathwork, first of all? What is it doing to my body? And then I went to a, I, I typed into Google breathwork workshops in Sydney. I was living at the time, and just two hundred and fifty dollars to go to this breathwork workshop. I'm like, never invested in myself ever. Never even spent money on a massage. It was yeah. all about, uh, yeah. Well, there was never any self love or investment back into me. And this was the first time that I'd done that. And two hundred and fifty dollars at the time, investing in me was massive. But I did it. I knew there was something there. And this workshop blew my fucking mind. Mm. Completely changed my life. Yeah. It was the guy up at the front, he was like, you might have spirit guys come in. You might experience altered states of consciousness. You might be out of your body. You might experience tingles and tenny, which is like cramping your fingers. I'm like, holy shit, what have I signed up for? <laughs> this, this is madness. Mm. And I was like, 
you are a happy woo-woo out there, sort of. And I almost, I almost, like, refused it before I'd even given it a go. Judgment. Judgment. Mm -hmm. It was that. And it was all this programming. And I was like, no, I'm just going to trust. I'm going to surrender and see what happens. And all of the things happened. Mm. And then I was I was there looking at my hands after the breathe, like, yeah. what the fuck have I been doing? <laughs> Where did I just what, go? <laughs> what am I? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just this beautiful experience, and it's just been an unfolding journey from there. Like everyone has this power within them; it's mm. accessible every moment of the day. It's free, and we don't know about it. So it became yeah. this mission of how can we share this with as many humans as we possibly could and that journey started unfolding with Rye and bringing people together and all these different ideas mm-hmm. that we explored with you know connection and the expressing of energy which is you know coming out in voice mm-hmm. form uh, with breath meditation and it's just been this beautiful journey and continuing to trust that yes it's been a completely different path and road that I thought I was going to be on with rugby like polar opposites <laughs> yeah absolutely polar opposites but it feels so damn right yeah and it came with the judgment mm. you know stepping away and starting to talk about meditation and breathing all my rugby mates like there's nothing more difficult than that yeah and I'm if you go back on my Instagram I was trembling when I was starting to be vulnerable Mm. now it's so easy because obviously people recognize that that's what we do but it's Mm. the beginning that that initial part of when you're starting to step into your truth that is the hardest and when people can understand that that is going to be the hardest part of the the whole thing the whole process of Mm. becoming your new human it's it gives you that little extra of like i'm just gonna fucking do it yeah yeah you don't need to wait until you have been put in a coma to do this Mm. this is why Mm. rue and i do what we do we create these spaces for people to come and experience themselves before they get hit by the bus before they get tonsillitis before they panic attacks Mm. it doesn't have to be that way a really a phrase that i use all the time is how much suffering is it going to take you to want to help yourself how much is it going to take? There's many people, mm-hmm. they're probably listening right now, that are going, holy shit, I know I need to give this stuff a go right now, mm-hmm. but I'm probably like, nah, I'll be sweet. I'll give it another, you know, I might give it another year. What's it going to take? Is it going to take more injury, more illness, more yeah. really toxic breakups, relationships, mm-hmm. more self-destruction? What's it going to take? Mm-hmm. Like, stop, stop. Give yourself that opportunity to experience something new. Yeah. Let go of that pride be open be honest with yourself have those conversations that are really challenging that are going to challenge you alleviate yourself from that emotional weight that is that is in there through Mm. words do it now Mm. do it now and see what happens Mm. and it's so interesting isn't it because the comfort that we want to sit in and be in is causing us so much destruction Mm. so why are we so scared to push past that comfort zone when our current reality is not serving us in any way. And I think that's the question that is so interesting. At what point do we just get out of our own way and do the thing that we know will serve us? Yep. Absolutely. Mm, it's been, huge. We've been taught our whole lives to seek comfort. Mm. We've, been, we've been taught to seek leisure. Yep. Look, you look at all social media and movies, everyone is watching these movies with people in mansions and looking at Instagram and, and influencers that are living it up luxurious and on holiday land and everything else. And what this is doing is making our nervous system so weak. Yeah. So what's happening is when we're put in this 
a little bit uncomfortable. In front, like we've got the air conditioning unit on right now to a really comfortable <laughs> degree, right? We're not actually yeah. embracing yeah. the heat of the day mm. because we want to be comfortable. Mm. And what that's doing is it's actually making us weaker as a human being. So this is why we do breath work. This is why we jump in the ice. This is why we jump in saunas. We're yeah. putting ourselves in a self-inflicted stress response mm. so we can overcome that in a controlled way. We can harness our breath, be in control. We're going to raise our autonomic nervous system's threshold for stress. Mm. So throughout our day, something that would normally trigger us because we're a little bit uncomfortable, your body's been there already. It's been that slight discomfort. So it's going to be a lot more grounded, calm, and regulated. That's what's missing in this society right now is the lack of education around how important it is to regulate the nervous system. Yeah. We, 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 we work on our physical beings. We make sure we've got the muscles. We make sure we're flexible. But we're not actually regulating the nervous system, which mm. is in charge of so much biological functioning, our immunity, mm. all of these things that if are unregulated cause disease, illness, the body's speaking out. So all yeah. of those that are getting continuously ill, that have bugs all the time, that may get tonsillitis, this is your body speaking out to you. It's saying, help me out here. Whatever you're putting in me right now isn't serving me. Yeah. Change the fuel. What can we, what can we do differently here? Mm. Listen to that and, and make some changes. Yeah. What would you say for just like your average person going on a walk, driving around now, listening to this, if they're like, okay, this is the sign I needed to take action. I'm not happy in certain things. My body isn't, you know, thriving in the way it should Mm be. What would you say would be the first, I I suppose, like action to take in getting into all of this? Yeah. If that makes sense. We've got so many tools (laughs) and things to use. We'll we'll list off a couple. We'll we'll give a few tools that are really simple. Obviously, the call to be conscious daily. Breathing is just one of the most powerful ways. It regulates our state. So when we're in a stress response, we're a bit more shallow breath. We're a little bit more panicky up in the chest. When we're in a calm, relaxed, parasympathetic side of our nervous system, we're slower breathing. It's more in our belly. We're a bit more calm. So becoming aware of our breath throughout our day and using the call to be conscious daily at the beginning and at the end, ideally, just to start to regulate that breath so you can start understanding how you breathe and how you can harness your nervous system and regulate it throughout the day using the breath. So that that would be number one. We have a... We have a, pr- a procedure, I was about to call it. We have a, <laughs> a thing, I don't even know what you, protocol, a, a tool called the Call to Be Conscious Reboot Position. And this has been shown through science to fully reset your nervous system more efficiently than massage, acupuncture, all these sorts of different therapies that uh, have been used to regulate nervous system. And what it is, is it's laying on your back with your waist at 90 degrees and your knees at 90 degrees. So if I was laying down here, my legs up here and just resting my bottom parts of my legs here. And that is the most relaxing position our body can be in. Our back is flat on the on the surface. It's not like when we're laying flat and then we've got this arch in our back. There's still strain on our lower back there. We're also getting the blood floating, coming down into our belly. That's sending signals from our body to our brain that we're in a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And when we feel like we're in a safe environment, that's when our body can heal and it can rest and recover in its most efficient way. Mm-hmm. And when we can do this for 30 minutes a day, 14 days in a row, and aim to do it at the same time. This is another way our body is telling our brain, this is the time in the day that we rest, we relax, and we recover. Mm -hmm. So many people have no time for that apart from when they go to sleep. And normally they've been suppressing everything until they're so tired they just conk out. 
So they're not actually getting the rest. Consciously resting using that reboot position mm-hmm. is a game changer. Mm, I'm going to try that. Mm. Would you yeah. suggest doing like first up in the day or like just whenever you have time or when's like the most? When you have time. When yeah. you know you have a time that you can commit to every day at yep. the same sort of time. Uh, a lot of people like using it before bed and then yeah. they've been talking about getting some crazy lucid dreams and <laughs> actually sleeping <laughs> through the night fully. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, We take our facilitators through this and it's mind-blowing to, to witness the feedback. You know, they're like, I've never felt so calm and relaxed and actually less triggered throughout the day. Mm. So many of us are operating in a very sympathetic state constantly. We're actually unaware of how unregulated we are until we know. So give that a go. Okay. Give that a go. Mm-hmm. 14 days in a row yep. and see what happens. It'll transform everything. Tonight. And then you're aware of yep. yourself. Mm. I'm going to try it. Yep. Yeah, we're on tonight. tonight. Day, day uh, one. Yeah. I've got yeah. one more for you. Yeah. And this was, um, I can't remember where this came from, but it was, so our environment is so important for cultivating the life that we want to create, right? So if we're surrounded by people in an environment that's not serving us, it's really hard to live as a as that different person. Mm. So writing down the names of the people that are in your life that you see on a day-to-day basis and putting from one being a really low negative energy in your life and ten being this amazing, awesome energy in your life. And just writing writing the people's names and then writing a number next to it. And the ones with the really low numbers, you know, four and below, try and limit your time around them. Create some more boundaries around them. Mm. Because this is going to allow your energy to shine a little bit more. And when we're around that lower energy, unconsciously we might think, oh, no, I'm sweet, I can deal with that. But it is, it's draining. It's a, 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 it takes it away from us, even if we're not that aware of it. So mm. just observing that, becoming aware of who those people might be and just slowly starting to maybe create some boundaries but uh, not hanging out with them as much or just having, oh, look, and I'm, I'm not going to come for drinks this weekend. I'm, I'm going to spend a bit of time with me. I'm, I, I want this weekend for me or just whatever that might be for you. Just starting to cultivate the environment that's going to really help you in the life that you know you truly want. Create, creating space, mm. just creating space for you to yeah. tune in and to, to understand what's most important to you. Mm. We get so caught up in conversation and activities, things that we may not actually want to go to. Mm. So another big one for me would be to, to bring to your audience is actually start honoring your truth, speaking your truth. Stop mm. lying, stop people-pleasing, stop saying you'll be there when you don't want to be there. Just be honest with them. Mm. Look, I don't actually want to go. Thank you for the invitation. I, I wish you so much fun with this. I'm just going to kick it. I'm going to cruise it. Yeah. They will respect you more for mm. being honest, and you're giving them permission to be honest. Mm. Start speaking the truth. Start speaking your truth. Start being honest with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a game changer. And it's it. crazy the relationship than that. You know, by lying, when you are setting boundaries, that that creates with you and setting boundaries because it's a negative experience. <laughs> yeah. So if you're always lying to, oh, mum told me I have to do this or my partner can't or whatever excuses. it is. Yeah, no more excuses. Speak your truth. And yeah, and like you said earlier, it's crazy the way that not speaking your truth manifests in your body and the kind of relationship that that causes with yourself. And I think a huge thing for even girls that I work with for myself previously is just lacking self-integrity completely and not having that trust within yourself. So even, you know, saying these practices right now and things that you can implement in real time, I think a lot of the 
I guess, boundaries for people. And the reason it can be so challenging is because they feel they lack that integrity. And it's like, okay, I might do it for one day, Mm. but I know by day two, I'll give up. And that's probably the hardest piece in Mm. implementing and creating lasting habits, lasting change, lasting routine. But what advice would you give to someone that feels like they yeah, really lack that integrity and don't have that trust within themselves to show up? This was, this was huge for me because I didn't understand what self-love was when I first mm. began the journey. When, when, I was, when I was surrounded by those people that weren't quite serving me fully and they would explain to me what self-love was by saying, when I was taking a selfie of myself or a selfie of my environment, they'd say, oh man, you love yourself. I thought that's what self-love was. Mm-hmm. When really that was me just potentially being vain or capturing moments, right? But self-love is respecting your time, respecting your boundaries, being integrous with yourself, doing what you say you're going to do. And to start that off, do simple things. Say you're going to do something for yourself, do it. Mm-hmm. Whether that's just so drink, drinking a glass of water a day, <laughs> yep. so whatever that is. Start with the small things. I put a post up about this yesterday. When we don't do the things that we say we're going to do to ourselves and to others, for others, we lose integrity, we lose trust, we lose respect for ourselves, which is self-love. So start with the simple things. I'm going to go to the gym. Be realistic. I'm going to go to the gym once a week. Mm. Do it. Mm -hmm. Do it. Convert it and then build it bigger. Start with the small things. Say you you tell, I'm going to tell Rue that I'm going to meet him at 12.30 at the beach, I'll be there at 12.30. I'm not going to be there at 12.35. He loses respect in me. Mm. I lose respect in myself for not being there. Mm. Stick to your word, but keep yeah. it simple. Don't mm. make these really unrealistic promises with people. Mm. You know, these New Year's resolutions. I said to Drew, the fucking bullshit. Don't make a New Year's resolution that you can't achieve. Mm. I'm going to yeah. buy a house and make 250k this year. Don't do that. You're just sabotaging your own self-love here. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple. This year, I'm going to start with the small things and go to the gym twice a week full mm. stop yeah and isn't it true too in being aware of what you make that mean about yourself when you don't do the thing so if you are late to the beach if you don't make the 250k if you skip out on breath work one morning you have control over the meaning that you give that and I think so often we're conditioned to make that mean that we're lazy that we're unreliable that you can't trust yourself that you're whatever sometimes you are just tired sometimes you might just be late but not letting that be the reason that you self-sabotage for forever going forward and actually choosing that, okay, yeah, I'm late right now. I know why I'm late, but next next time I choose better. Yeah, because absolutely. it's just, it's always a cycle of, oh, I stuffed up, mm-hmm. okay, back to square one. Yeah. And, and it's people thinking, they, they create these fantasies, right? And I used to do this. Mm. I'm going to do this big goal and do this every day of the week or whatever it is and it feels good in the moment it feels Mm. good like oh setting these goals and Mm. and getting structured and stuff but deep down you're like there's no way I'm going to be able to do that I'm actually Mm. not going to be able to commit to that so it's creating an identity and the book Atomic Habits I'm not sure if you're aware of it yeah I just finished it oh yeah amazing amazing Mm. for anyone listening get that on Audible or the Mm. actual book and this is a great way to start implementing these good habits and also they teach you how to let go of bad habits in your life it's about creating the environment mm. and also shifting your identity around what you are say you've never been to the gym before don't say you're going to go to the gym three times a week for 45 minutes yeah. start with putting your gym clothes on and going to the gym for one minute mm-hmm. yeah one minute three times a week and then you start identifying as someone that goes to the gym mm. 
and then the ne- and actually leave after that minute. Don't hang around for longer until you feel like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Go for the one minute and walk yeah. out that door. And then the next week, I'm going to go to the gym for five minutes. And then you start getting in this routine. You start creating this identity. I'm someone that goes to the gym. And it just naturally will start evolving. Mm-hmm. And you're just creating a, a commitment that you can actually stick to easily. Mm. You can stick to easily, mm-hmm. and then that will build up the habit of becoming this new identity. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I'm classic for, you know, like I'm in a gym six times a week. I'm in a this, 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 and then when I don't do it, you do you beat yourself up. Mm. And I think that when I'm doing that, I'm focusing fully on the outcome. And I was listening to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and this guy was like stop thinking about the outcome thinking about the process process mm. over outcome any day look for anything in your life and ever since I heard that I was like yeah if I do just get to the gym once this week I'm not thinking about the outcome of like oh that won't you know make me strong in this or that you know may, might not really make me look like something but it's like the process behind that and if I do that every single week for the next 10 years like that will then in turn become an outcome but it's the process, what I'm focusing on. Yeah, enjoying the process and the byproduct being the energy that you're bringing to whatever you're doing. Mm. Let the byproduct be the transformation in your body, but exactly. the process of moving your body, being present with it and enjoying that time with yourself, mm-hmm. that's mm. what you're getting the most out of it. The byproduct yeah. is the result of that energy, that, 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 um, that positive energy of being there mm-hmm. and the body transforming itself. I love it. And it's very true to even in Atomic Habits, the kind of, I guess, process around making your habits attractive. And I always thought that was really, really interesting because a lot of the time we do things because I'm going to gym because I want to lose X amount of weight. I'm going to gym because I want to look a certain way. Is that outcome really attractive for you? Is tracking every single thing that you eat in a day really attractive to you just to achieve the outcome of losing three kilos? Because for me, it's not. But if tracking my food to make sure I'm hitting my protein intake so I can perform optimally is, there's my reason. That's an attractive outcome for me. Not meaning that I want to do that forever, but I think sometimes we get so focused on what we're conditioned to think we should be doing something for instead of the real reason and purpose that we want to be doing a habit or an action. You know, breath work, why do you actually want to be doing that? What outcome do you want to achieve? Is it because you listen to this podcast and we just told you to do it? Or is it because you really want the benefits that it can bring to you and your life? Yeah, it comes back down to the intent as well. Like if mm. you're going to the gym just to change the way you look, that's insecure. Yeah. And it's a negative connotation to what you're actually trying to achieve. Mm. So instead of focusing on that, focusing on yourself, focus on loving yourself unconditionally or parts of yourself before you even start moving your body. Because mm. when you start moving your body, you're going to actually enjoy the process instead of being like, I'm not actually transforming here. What am I doing? I'm not yeah. getting results. So start with the inside out. Firstly, if you're intense to change the way you look because you're insecure about the way you look, stop doing that. <laughs> stop doing that. Become Has a it worked before? Absolutely. Yeah. We think about it when people are in these negative mind frames around something, they're in a sympathetic response most mm. of the time. Or they're uncomfortable, they're anxious, they've got social anxiety. This is all symptoms of being in a sympathetic state response. The nervous system's not happy. When you're in the sympathetic response, the body's not transforming. It's not healing. It's not growing. It's focusing on being ready to run from the, the, the lion, theoretically. Blood's in the biceps, blood's in the quads. We're charged up. The body's not producing. It's not digesting. It's not absorbing all the nutrients that are in there. It's going straight through the system. Mm. You can eat as healthy as you want, but if, you, if you're in a negative or sympathetic response, it's going straight through you. Mm. Start, start by regulating that. 
Start by creating the boundaries with people. Start loving yourself first. Regain that stability within your body. Put the good food in and then start moving it and watch the results happen instantly. Mm. Yeah. It's like questioning your why more so, isn't it? We all do these things and it's not we're not even really sure why we want the things that we want. And usually a lot of the time I feel, and in my experience and what I see with clients is you want something for someone else. It's not actually because you truly want it. You want it because you think you'll fit in. You want it because you think your parents will be proud of you. You want it because your partner might be more attracted to you. It's not solely what you want. And a lot of the time too, I notice the pattern of wanting an outcome and not being present in the moment. So for anyone that feels like they lack that presence and being able to just focus solely on this very moment and not what's happening in an hour's time or what's for dinner or what's happening in six months, what tools can they use to be more present? What what I started doing and what I started implementing with my day when I started learning about the present, how powerful that is, Mm -hmm. I I realized that I was in a very future-paced state a lot, which is anxiety, right? We're we're worried about the the future. When we're worried about the past, we're in a more depressive state. We're looking backwards. To be in the present, we need to harness our breath firstly. So just take a few conscious breaths. But what I started doing before I learned about the breath was I started tapping myself on the wrist. Mm. Every time I'd notice my mind getting too far ahead, I'd literally tap myself on the wrist physically. I'd literally do it. I'd go, mm. back here, come back here. Mm. I did this for six months. <laughs> for six months, every time I'd find myself going way too far ahead, I'd go back here, back here, mm-hmm. unless I was, as I started implementing breath and meditation and I was actually visualizing my future self, apart from that time, during my day, if I found myself worrying or thinking too far ahead, I'd say come back here mm-hmm. and I'd activate all the senses, what am I seeing, smelling, feeling, hearing, mm. all of these things, that's the present moment when you can tune in with that, but breath work, this is it, this is like we're going to mm-hmm. come back and circulate to the power of the breath every single time because we believe it's the core of everything. Mm-hmm. When you can harness and become aware of your breath, you can literally dissolve all of that future-paced thought. You can come back into your body. You can be here and be in control over how you're reacting. The breath changes and shifts in every environment. When we're excited, Mm -hmm. the breath shifts. When we're angry, the breath shifts. When we're scared, the breath shifts. When we're terrified, (laughs) running away, the breath shifts. Mm. But if we can understand how that works and regain control of it in every situation, you can be in control of your life always. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank yeah, you so much so for joining true. us today, guys. Is there anything you want to shout out, your podcast, Instagram, anything you're doing in the future to our audience? What are we doing in the future? <laughs> well, we've got the, we we've, got, we've actually got experiences <laughs> happening. Up. So stoked. So, yeah. yeah the, we've got the Call to Be Conscious experience. If you want to you really expand and grow and you resonate with what we're sharing, we go into the depths of it's the experience. Mm. So you get to experience mm. all these things we're talking about on a, a really incredible level. So those are coming up. They'll be on our website, calltobeconscious.com. Yeah. Uh, dates will be all over the Instagram too. Yeah. Call to Be Conscious. Yeah. We'll be posting yeah. posting up that soon, very and soon. that's for our Aussie girls. That'll be happening yes. in real time. And you have your podcast now, so everyone global can access yes. that, which is amazing. Yes. Seven episodes? Yeah, we're, we're number wow. six now. Six. Oh. Yeah. Nice. The Call to Be Conscious podcast. Yeah, love it. Definitely worth a listen. And socials, Instagram? 
Could be conscious. Cool two. The letter two. Yeah, le- yeah. Cool no, number, number two. two. Number oh, two. The letter two. <laughs> <laughs> the letter two. <laughs> Look, I, that was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> too much breath work over here. Yeah, yeah. Brain's cool. not thinking. Cool number two, be e-conscious. And yeah. you can yeah. find our personals on there. Yeah. Through that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Thank amazing. you so much for having us on here. It's Thank been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sure we'll do round two sometime in the future, but appreciate it's, you guys coming on. So thank you so much. Big love. Bye, guys.